we're really proud to bring you today's episode of It Runs in the Family from the absolutely stunning Myrtle Farm in Sanford, North Somerset. Joined by current MD Martin and his daughter, Eleanor Thatcher, we hear all about the family dynamic that sits behind one of the nation's favourite ciders. We're sat overlooking one of Thatcher's orchards, capturing this lovely family story. Listen out for the birds in the background floating from one apple tree to another as you hear from this father and daughter duo. We hear their favourite memories of working with each other, stories from generations gone by, and the enthusiasm for the craft that clearly runs in the family and has created the most delightful cider we all enjoy today. Let's face it, no festival is the same without a pint of Thatcher's. So, William, Thatcher's the original Thatcher's cider maker. And from there, his business has grown through the generations. Can you start by talking sort of us through the family history? William Thatcher came to uh, Sanford in 1902. And he came with his stepdad. And uh, at the time, he was a carpenter. And I suppose the village of Sanford probably had, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 houses. Not, not very big. It was, it was a very small village. And in those days, the carpenters of the village tended to make the coffins, so were effectively undertaker. And that's something he really didn't like. So he decided he wanted to be a farmer. So in 1904, he rented 36 acres from the Miss Parslow sisters at Myrtle Farm. And that's when the cider business started. Now, to be fair, his farm was a mixed farm. He had some dairy cattle and he had some sheep and pigs and chickens and, and all the rest of it. And, of course, made some cider. The cider he made partly was to pay his farm workers in and partly probably he drank quite a bit himself. So it all seemed to work quite well. In those days, he would give his farm workers four to five pints per day, which they drank at work as part of their wages. And um, I have heard that a two-gallon-a-day man was definitely worth the extra cider. Wow. <laughs> Which is quite a lot of cider. <laughs> so health and safety back then, very different to now. Yes, I think. Quite uh, a shame, really. There <laughs> <laughs> were very little. There certainly weren't tractors. It was probably more driving a, a, a shovel or a hoe rather yeah. than a tractor or yes. a vehicle or big yeah. machinery. And then it, it developed on there. My grandfather, Stan, was a very sociable man. He took over the business in just before the outbreak of the Second World War. And his passion really wasn't so much farming, was more cider making. He had five wooden barrels in his dovecot, which is still at Myrtle Farm now. He had two medium, two dry and one sweet. And his customers would come in and do their own special blend of medium and dry or medium and sweet or dry and sweet. And they would do several blends until they got it right and my grandfather would give them a pint glass to do the blends in so generally they ended up staggering out more in their stomachs than they actually did in their containers oh, amazing so that was really the beginning of the how the cider business started now my great-grandfather with his stepdad in 1902 came to Sanford Farm which we didn't know but uh, we acquired that building about 15 years ago and it's where our offices were for a while 
And so when we went back through the deeds, we could see that he'd oh. actually come to Sanford in 1902. We'd always assumed that he'd come in 1904 originally. Wow, so it came full circle. It came full circle, Oh, yeah. that's lovely. And we're sat in the middle of Myrtle Farm now, and yes. I wish you could see what we could see right now. It's beautiful. It's really small trees. I just need to ask, before we get into the family <laughs> stuff, this is really interesting. These small trees, they are... They are fully mature apple trees. <clears throat> they will grow a little bit more, but partly or largely down to my father and his sort of vision for growing apples. We've moved through uh, three types of trees. So it's the archetypal apple tree with a, with a long trunk and a big bush on the top, and that's where the apples grow, uh, to a bush tree, which is much smaller and they grow probably 20 feet high. Okay. And now we're growing them on a hedgerow system because actually growing apples isn't about the soil or the size of the tree. It's how much light, because it's the light that causes the photosynthesis and the photosynthesis that gives us the sugar, the tannin and the flavour. And it's the tannin and the flavour that we're really looking for. So we've changed the whole way we're growing, growing apples. And very, very much down to my father and his foresight of how we should be growing apples for the future. And the whole industry has moved in that direction. Amazing. So learning from your forefathers yep. and all their experiences, amazing. Which what makes it so amazing today. We all love a Thatcher cider, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lovely story, Martin, that you've planted your first tree, aged five, and Eleanor, you carried on with the family tradition and passed your tractor driving test at 16. Can you each tell us about how you, you know, came in to be part of the business? What was your journey into the business? Do you think... What influenced you making that decision? Was loyalty to the family a big factor? You know, tell us about your individual journeys into Thatcher's. I think for me, I've always kind of grown up with it and it's just been part of my life. I think you, it's not work, it's part of your life very much. And you kind of experience the apples coming in. We used to go out with my granddad and pick apples from our exhibition orchard, which has 458 different varieties in it and just doing that you get influenced and you kind of grow to love love it and I really like the cider making side that's just I've got a passion for that and learning about blending and fermentation and I went to Australia for two two years and learned about winemaking and that kind of really made me realize that I wanted to go into fermentation and cider making. That was kind of the moment of... It's Eureka. Just, Eureka, that yeah, this is amazing. Maybe, yeah. And I think when... I think it was a point where mum sent me a picture whilst I was in Australia of the apple blossom. And I was like, do you know what? I really miss that. Oh, just being out lovely. in the orchards, the bees are buzzing. Yeah. And to be able to do something that I'd found a passion for was... And, and can I ask, are you the first cider maker in the family, female? Cider maker? Our first female, yeah. That's wow. amazing. That's great. So diversity is organically happening within the family business as well, which yeah. is a great landmark. Amazing. Well, a bit like Eleanor, I suppose, when uh, I was younger, I always came out on the farm with my father. And, and in those days, we didn't make a huge amount of cider. It was more about farming. So uh, we had market gardening, pigs and cattle, and uh, grew some crops as well. So... I, I learned a lot about farming. I went to my uncle's to learn how to milk cows because I always thought I was going to be a farmer. And then 
I suddenly realised that actually making cider and um, looking after customers and growing apples was really what I wanted to do. So probably when I was about 20, that was when I really started to focus on the cider making bit and didn't do quite so much farming, although farming is still in my blood. I'm still a farmer. I still absolutely love getting out around the farm and going out, out in the trees. And as Eleanor says, at this time of year, yeah. when the blossom is out mm. on the trees, there is nowhere mm. better on earth to be than in the middle of an orchard with blossom, with bees buzzing around. Just beautiful. Amazing. And now everyone else is getting with the programme of, of well-being and mental health and being in nature and you've grown up around it all your lives. I mean, it's a real privilege, isn't it? Wonderful to be you know, born into a natural environment and be able to make a business from it. It's just the best, mm. the and, best. And this orchard that uh, we're looking out on now has, uh, you may have seen some when you came in, but lots and lots of hares. And hares are just such a beautiful animal. Oh, they we just haven't hop seen around you. yet. I can't they, wait to they, see them. They are... Um, they're, they're quite big, aren't yes. they? Yeah. I mean, oh, and I hope we see one oh. in the middle of this. Can oh, you imagine that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. To be fair, actually, I did. I went to buy a very kind of boring story. I got lost trying to buy a secondhand microwave from someone, and I ended up in you know North Dorset when I just needed to go to Wimborne. But by happy chance, I saw a, a rabbit and loads of its bunnies bouncing along the edge the of the road, and I thought, Do you know what? Yeah, okay, I've driven an extra 15 miles that I needed to. <laughs> yeah, but special, isn't it? Yeah, I thought, mm. doesn't matter really now. You I've must seen see that. so much wildlife here. And, yeah. and quite a lot of deer in these uh, orchards as well. So when we had one of our major customers here, we were sat at this table and uh, these two ladies were from their head office and based in London and really it was very exciting to come out to the countryside. And um, I said to them, right, now stop turn round very slowly and look behind you and don't make a sound. And of course, they turned round and saw two deer looking in through the window at them and screamed. It's like, deer like, oh, no. It would have been perfect. <laughs> Brilliant. So I have to ask, Eleanor, was a Thatcher cider your first alcoholic drink? Yeah, definitely. We were saying this morning at breakfast, it has, it has to, to be, be yeah. ritual. And, and what age did you take your first sip? Mm. <laughs> on, on my first legal, yeah. first legal pint was the Thatchers at 18 and God, then course. I think we did a bit of tasting when we were younger it kind of we'd just go along with dad at lunchtime and try this side with dad this is, we love the story that um, Matt Woodhouse told on their episode of this podcast where we said what was one of, you know he said what was his earliest memory of the family business was and he said one of his would have been going into the garage at their family home and stealing some badger beers that were just there so he could take them down to the park with some friends <laughs> i just think that is you know either a benefit or a drawback of being in the drinks business as your family <laughs> well i think uh, i think my father's quite good as was my grandfather because uh, uh, at leading people astray because when my brother and I used to come home from school he was, he was a really lovely man and he used to come and uh, pick us up from school in his car and then we used to get home and he'd park in the yard and then we'd go and have a glass of cider with him when we came home from school <laughs> when we were probably less than 30 such good memories with him and my father has obviously taken has followed my grandfather's footsteps so uh, Peter, Eleanor's younger brother, quite a few years ago, probably when he was probably, I don't know, eight or nine or whatever, 
my father took him tasting one lunchtime and Peter obviously enjoyed the tasting and checking the cider and everything else and he took him home and I got home in the evening and I said I don't know what your father did to Peter but he was very tired when he got no so from a father-daughter perspective you know how do you manage the working and personal relationship because ultimately you're father-daughter but you're also work colleagues and you know with Eleanor's role now in evolving in in the business you know is it does it work naturally does it flow does it feel you know very square between the, the the lines or how is it I think we just it's quite flexible for us we just kind of I don't know it's all we've always been the kind of family that you go home like we come home from school and like we just talk about patches and making cider so no work chat ban at home it, it no, feels it, right it, it, to continue yeah. whatever needs to be discussed around the dinner table yeah so it's kind of like just coming to work was like the next step really like it's just like oh it's the kind of it's a bit different because there's other people around that aren't your family but it's just you just kind of keep going and Eleanor, at just 21 years old, is already starting to make her mark and has introduced an exciting new product to the range, a completely diverse edition, but one that maximises the decades of Thatcher's production experience. It was exciting to hear that every step of the process was driven by her. I mean, there's also that lovely perspective that comes sometimes from, from being out of the work environment, but you're still in the same collective zone of sharing ideas and that's sometimes that's when the best ideas come I mean is that something that you've sort of experienced I mean we've heard today about your your new product that you've brought to the table (laughs) do you want to tell us a little bit about that um so I've made a kombucha which is a fermented tea and it's got apple cider vinegar in it as well and it's it's kind of to branch out into a slightly different it's alcohol free and low sugar and kind of appeal to a different group and I was influenced by traveling in Australia again and I discovered kombucha and I thought the fermentation bit interested me because it's fermented so I thought we've got expertise in this we can we can do something here so that's fantastic I mean that must be really exciting for you Martin to see how the next generation's influencing the product range and diversifying I think it's been a wonderful opportunity for Eleanor to do everything because she's literally done everything I think is invaluable experience that I'm sure she'll call on many times as she goes through her career it's brilliant and it's delicious as well really lovely really lovely and and pretty good for you I think isn't it yeah yeah with the cider vinegar the apple cider vinegar Mm. and fermented with yeast and bacteria like a traditional kombucha but I kind of wanted to make a kombucha that was great tasting, not just good for you. So mm. that was my focus. Uh, yeah, I'd, I've had it before and it doesn't taste as good as that. Mm-hmm. So Actually, yeah, it. didn't you have some when... Were you, I can't remember if it was a hangover or other... Probably. Type of, other type one. of not feeling very well. And we went to a sort of health foodie shop and you got some because the lady told you it would help you feel better. I'm not sure it did. No. I think, it, I think it was probably the wrong thing that you needed <laughs> that day. Yeah. But this is delightful. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. It's really drinkable. And you, you could drink that as an alternative to, to cider or an alcoholic mm. drink, which yeah. I think is definitely of the moment as well, yeah. of having those sort of options for, for the consumer. I think they... 
they want that that range, don't they, of offer? Yeah, I think particularly at lunchtime where you don't necessarily want to have a drink. It's mm. it's perfect and we've been offering people when they've come and as guests and I think it's gone down really well. Amazing. It's got nice flavour to it. So I think I think it's got loads of potential. Mm. It's absolutely I brilliant. can't wait to see how that evolves and, and uh, I've done it again, haven't I? I've used the evolve word way too much. But yeah, I'd be really interested to see how that sort of translates into the marketplace and you know you could yeah. be quite leading in that. It's really exciting. So Martin, you worked with your father. Can yep. you see similarities between how you and him work together to how you and Ella, Eleanor are now working together? Uh, yes, and I, and I think uh, I spent quite a bit of time thinking about how succession worked between my father and myself, obviously, because I want to pass it down to the next generation. And, and I've seen lots of family businesses where there's been quite a brisk succession where the father has said, right, on this day time, I'm moving out and leaving the next generation to carry on. I think my father and I, the succession has been gradual and Whilst he's been prepared to give up things, I've also been prepared to take on things. And I think as time's gone on, he moved to his passion, which was absolutely growing apple trees and growing the apples. And I started more at the sales and marketing and customer end. So as he retreated back into the farming, and I, I moved on and now I look after all of it. And I could see the same happening with Eleanor where she's looking after the fermentation now. She could look after a bit more and a bit more and a bit more until eventually I'm just the backup team. So is there a master plan? And I'm personally interested in this because I need a similar... We don't have a master plan, but we need <laughs> we a master plan. <laughs> I mean, actually, it was a pandemic for us and we were fortunate that we were living under the same roof. It, you know what it's like when your business is potentially under threat and none of us knew where this was going. It was a case of, right, what does the future look like? And, and Layla's involvement suddenly stepped up to sort of quite a decision-making level and we had to make some difficult decisions together. So it was, right, five years' time over to you doesn't seem very long that goes very fast in business mm. but having a roadmap I think is is really important but the, the learning that I think you pick up organically during the course of the working day is, is really valuable but have you created a roadmap for Eleanor's future and did, did you I, have one? I certainly didn't have a roadmap it was just by uh, organic uh, development I think uh, we're trying very hard or I'm trying very hard to recruit and train and develop really good people who are Eleanor's mm. sort of age so that her generation will have excellent people. And we've done that through apprenticeships and that was part of the reasons for having our apprenticeship. But we're beginning to spot people around the business now that are more Eleanor's generation than my generation, that she will be able to surround herself with really good people mm. to support her. And, you know, although we live and breathe the business 24 hours a day seven days a week we can't possibly know everything about everything no. so you have to have experts in certain areas that yeah. can help uh, support so you. that's really interesting it's almost like it's not just Eleanor's growth but it's the growth of the leadership the next gen leadership team around her that yes. provides that knowledge base across everything yep. fantastic I do definitely agree with that like I know you know, occasionally some one of our team will say something that's just so brilliant and so us. And I'll say to you, we cannot lose that person because I cannot imagine being in the leadership position without them there to help guide me. And I think that is something that's only really just come to me in the last year 
I've always, whenever, when I started work, it was very much, I wanted to build relationships with my colleagues as their colleague, not as anything else, first and foremost. And now that's becoming so much more important because I need them to really respect me so that we can work together as a team to help progress the business because I, I couldn't do it without them. And, you know, it's, yeah, I think having relationships with people who are non-family but will be at the same level as you at some point is super important. I think, yeah, as well, I think I've found, like, coming in to the business to start with can be daunting but I think one thing that I've tried to remember is you're very much your own person and therefore you've got to take your own Mm -hmm. decisions and not it's actually not right to be like your parent Mm -hmm. because no offense but (laughs) (laughs) none taken (laughs) you've got to move on and and I I take it in a different direction then the world changes so so and then and that's the beauty of of family business when you can pass it down and and as long as as a leader you're accepting that generations and and consumers within those generations change and their buying choices change and it's being bold enough and brave enough to to take that on the chin and learn that things are different and and being strong enough in a voice Mm -hmm. to say we're going to do it this way you know that that's so you must have a very collaborative relationship where there's a a listening and a challenging dynamic yeah and I think on things like sustainability where as farmers we've always wanted to care for the land and the environment and you know we've tried to do all the right things reducing our energy usage and don't waste and we've probably one of the first people to get rid of the plastic rings on our cans and put cardboard around it. We've got solar panels on our buildings and all those type of things. But Eleanor's generation look at things in even more depth and in a slightly different way. And it's really important that she influences the business a lot on that because that's for the next generation and it takes time. And, And I would say by no means are we perfect, but we are trying to move everything in the right direction as fast as we can. We, we were going to ask actually about climate change and you know our weather patterns changing. Is, is that something that you're having to try and navigate the future of, of how the orchards perform and the production process potentially affected by that? The trouble is, is that things change so slow. Well, things change slowly and it's mm. difficult to know, particularly when you have different years so this year's weather has been very different to last year's now is that a trend or is that just from year to year i think i think what we all know is that how we affect our environment is something that's high on everybody's agenda and we want to do least possible damage Mm -hmm. and or do the most possible repair whichever way you want to look at it how we go about that i think is a continual challenge as things change Mm -hmm. Mm. hybrid cars or is it electrical cars or electric cars or is it hydrogen cars Mm. all those type of things what we know from a farming point of view is that growing apple trees they all soak up lots of carbon by um, having beautiful orchards and encouraging nature and wildlife Mm. that's all good for Mm. the for the ecosystem so all those things are really important to us but every year we find new things to do and we have to keep going and going and going Mm. so do either of you have any standout memories of the past and the, the working together that you've sort of been really proud of each other and have thought, do you know what, he knows his stuff, or goodness me, she's really growing now. 
I think I've got one. When we, we sell some cider in Australia and we were at, the, at a conference there and um, Dad, they made you down a pint or something and then he had to go up and do a speech. <gasps> and it was just no notes and just kind of did the whole thing and like talked about Thatcher's and the family and I think that was impressive. Like to see that, that without downing a pipe and then doing a speech and <laughs> it being so amazing. With no planning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it was planning. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten about that. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one. So maybe more speeches, more pipes. <laughs> yeah. That's the trick. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it works for many. <laughs> How about you, Martin? Have you got any sort of moments where, I mean, it, it comes with immense pride when you see your child obviously just aligning with the DNA of the family you know, treasure that is, that is the business? Uh, yes, I think, I think there's been a few, but I think that the standout moment, I mean, when you have a business or you're a leader in a business, you have, to, you have to take some tough decisions and you have to get some things sorted out. And Eleanor came in and said, I've got a problem here and here and here. What should I do? And I said well, you know, what, what do you think you should do? And she said, right, I need to go and do this and this and this. I said, okay, fine. She went, right, okay. <laughs> and she turned around and marched out and then it was, then it was sorted. sorted. And I thought, yep, that's what you want. Somebody who just gets on and does it. Yes. <laughs> no faffing around, I'm just going to do it. And, <laughs> and clearly your instinct of what you had to do was right. Yeah. <laughs> no need of any challenge for no, dad. No, just like, why are you even asking? Yeah, just get right. up and do it. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 I love that. Yeah. That's just that instinctive, yeah. instinctive working in your business. Amazing. Mm. And on the flip side, have there been any particularly challenging moments through your journeys into the business? Any that stand out, whether it's kind of because of the family thing or actually maybe it's just a general challenge, but you've really valued having the family support there. Are there any moments where you thought, thank God dad's there? (laughs) I think it's someone that's had a similar kind of growing up in a family business situation to you. Because I think you both understand what it's like to be a family member working in the business and how that everyone else sees you in that respect. So I think there's been a few moments where we've gone that you, we get, I, I don't know how to explain it really, we get what each other's feeling and respect to certain things. So kind of... We hear that a lot, actually. Yeah. I think it, every family business that we've spoken to has got that unsaid, unknown, connected, shared view. It's very rarely that they, that they clash because then you're all that you know but then equally we've also had people saying when it is family that you have less resistance to just actually saying in plain english how you feel about something what your view is on it you know if it was a non-family you might kind of edge around the subject and kind of more politely not necessarily unpolitely but you can kind of just say it how it is with family and they know that you've got the best intentions at heart but equally, at the same time, we hear it a lot that families will walk into a room and they just know mm-hmm. the feeling. They just mm-hmm. know, you know, like the uh, double Dutch twins we spoke to, they said they'll be in a meeting and just with a look, they can know whether each other are feeling if it's going the right way or not. Well, especially yeah. with the twin dynamic. Yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. interesting. Really interesting. And I think probably 
the handover from a father to myself has gone remarkably smoothly over the last 30 some odd years, mainly because we've both agreed on what the direction, the vision is. Sometimes we've disagreed with how we might get there, but fundamentally we're in agreement of what it should look like. Yes. Now he'll, he'll say, well, we should use green paint, and we say red paint. But you, you can get that's, over that, but as long as you agree that, yes. that it needs painting, yeah. You know, yeah. then... then um, I, so I think that's important, and I think that's where if families are really sharing what the overall plan is and what it looks like, then it's much easier to get agreement and it all works a lot more smoothly then. And I think that's why, in a way, family businesses and values, you never get one without the other. I think partly why we fell into this you know, we fell into a situation where most of our family, most of our clients and family businesses is because to do great PR for people, you want to demonstrate businesses that have great values. And family businesses do come with really good values because it stems from that emotional connection that families have. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to decision making, it's not just black or white. It's not just financial. It's not just operational. There's always that element of emotion and connection mm-hmm. in it that other businesses might not have the same level of. No, you've got treasure that you're passing on and wants to be really fit for the future and it comes with great responsibility. Well, to quote Anthony Woodhouse again, (laughs) he was... His ears will be burning. His ears will be burning, yes, yeah. But they haven't listened to him. (laughs) (laughs) He he told me once that he said, um, you won't be measured on what you do, you'll be measured on what the next generation do, so you better make sure that they do a good job. <laughs> and of course, he's so right, it is about, in a family business, it is about making sure the next generation are trained and you know understand the business before you pass it on to them so that they can carry it on for another generation, another generation, mm-hmm. etc. Because generally that's family business's motivation is to be here for the long term. And that makes a huge difference to a business that's just here to keep the city happy for the next quarter. Mm. You make very different decisions, Mm. in my view, better decisions for the long term. Absolutely. Yes. Family values have played a huge role in the success and development of Thatcher's. Being a family business is something the brand proclaims with pride. You may have seen their wonderful recent TV campaign. So when the family plays such a big part in the business, what role does the business play in the family? When your surname is Thatcher's, cider making is part of you through and through. It plays a role in landmark life moments and creates standout memories all the same. So the family element clearly plays a big part in the business, but how much of a role does the business have in your family you know your dog is named after the farm which is so cute you know, how much when you know Eleanor when you were growing up do you remember or do you have any memories of the business being a big part of the family you know how is there a separation or is it just part and parcel we always say well Liz has always said that the business is like a third child and I kind of understood that growing up but now I'm in it I'm like yeah it, I, it is a sibling and I remember when you took a year off, uh, not a year off. You'd love to do I that. Probably, wish I wish I would obtain the year some off. holidays. You took six <laughs> weeks off of when I was. I'd been in the business two two years, I think, and um, that summer was a big moment for me realizing, oh right, this is what she means when she sees it as a third child. Because I felt as if I was. It was a similar feeling to babysitting my younger brother. You know, mm. I didn't have the responsibility of it. If something happened to him, I wouldn't be blamed. 
But I did also kind of have this steward position of wanting just to make sure it was all right. So yeah, how did the business bring come into your family life? Quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, making a product like cider, it's not difficult to bring it into your personal no. life. <laughs> so that's, that's good. I think, uh, yes, our dog is called Myrtle. And uh, if you go into our kitchen, you can see plates and mugs with little apples on them. Oh. There's it's sort of a bit of a shrine to the apple, yeah. really. So everything, everything revolves around a theme, uh, mainly apples. So, yeah, and we live right at Myrtle Farm. So we step outside the back door and mm. we are there 24 hours a day. And But I don't think we'd have it any other way. It is it is something that I've certainly grown up with and I love it. it it's just heavenly. I'm so envious. <laughs> I'm sure at yeah. school your friends must have thought that parties at the Thatchers must be the best parties. <laughs> I'm sure you have begged many times to have house parties <laughs> to decide on tap. My 18th, we actually had my party here and... When you go to most parties, you think they have cans. And we have a full keg. Oh, amazing. <laughs> All on tap, yeah. All on tap. Brilliant. Fantastic. I'd love to have been your friend as well. Yeah. <laughs> and your your brother, is he older or younger than you? He's younger than me. So, yeah, we he works a lot on the farm. And I remember us, when we were younger, we used, granddad would, like, put us on his little Kabutu tractor. And... Um, We'd drive it around and we'd both sit on it. And um, oh, he was definitely the better driver, but um, <laughs> that's on the record. No, yeah, I was going to say, please don't tell him that. But yeah, I remember that just driving around the orchard. That's when I learned to drive a tractor with my brother. So much fun. Put on it and off you go. <laughs> How many years younger than you is he? Uh, three years. Oh, Mine's four years younger than me. And he would definitely, he passed his driving test recently with one less minor than me. And I probably won't live that down. And we had the same driving instructor and the driving instructor definitely thought Jack's the better driver. So I fully know <laughs> the grief that that being on the record will cause. <laughs> Do you think he's got ambitions to be involved in the business or is he yet to feel that mojo? I think at the moment he's like every other 18-year-old boy. He wants to go and get out on the farm and drive big tractors and diggers and JCBs and all the rest of it, which he's absolutely loving. Great. Um, but he's still young. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I, I'm sure when once he's uh, once he's done that, he'll settle down. He's, he's quite entrepreneurial and I'm sure he'll he'll be a good salesperson. Yeah, yeah. But at the moment, he just likes playing with the big toys. <laughs> and and what, is there, you know, in, in the family and with you all taking it on from your father, was there a natural pressure that this is just what I need to do? This is expected of me? Or was there any conversation around that if this isn't what you have to do, if this isn't right for you, then it's not right for you? I don't really remember that conversation, if it was had or whether I even considered it. I just thought, well... I'm in Somerset, I'm working on a farm, I'm out in the countryside. That's a very nice thing to do. I'm also making cider, that makes it even better. I'm not sure it gets much better than this, so, so, so why, why would I even consider doing anything else? <laughs> so I, I don't think I really, I really thought about it like that. I just thought, this is brilliant, I'll just carry on. <laughs> and, and Eleanor, the same? I, I feel like part of it is being, in, is being as a farming and agricultural business 
as well it's it's just kind of what happens like for mm. me there's so many people that I like in young farmers and friends with that yeah they just work on their family farm mm. it's just it's kind of normal. it's a given yeah it's not so so much as maybe if it was a big corporate business mm. it would be slightly mm. more different mm. but it's just kind of how yeah it's interesting isn't it? <laughs> and it actually is you know even you know are you always say to me when we go to London we see all those fancy offices you're like do you not want a taste of that but there's just something about it that doesn't appeal because like you said there's nothing better when I feel like I have the ideal job spec because I can do a bit of everything you know stock up the loo roll in the office and order the coffee in and also get involved in the big decisions I wouldn't be able to do that anywhere else and that's what suits me so why the appeal to go anywhere else just doesn't exist which I'm sure you're glad to, to yeah, hear. Yeah, I'm very glad to hear. <laughs> I feel very blessed that that's the way you feel. And if your brother was to get involved, how, how do, you, do you think you'd work well together? You know, how would, from Martin's perspective, would you be encouraging of that or would you, would you watch with a close eye? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, my father was very wise and he realised that my brother and I probably wouldn't be able to work together and we were quite different characters. So my brother's... He's got a farm that's got beef and sheep and some arable. He doesn't actually grow any apples. And so he lives about 70 miles away and, and has, is completely separate from the business. And that was a decision that the father had made 25 years ago, which was a very, which I think was a very wise decision. So there is just a little bit of pressure here just to think, well, you know, will they get on together? Of course. We're very different now from when um, mm. I came mm. home from school 32 years ago. But I think at some point we'll have to work out whether mm. what each role mm. is and how mm. it all fits mm. together. From a small orchard to the Thatcher's names on bottles in shops and pubs across the world, this family business has generated success at every level. Martin, as current leader, has taken the business to a stage where over 500 acres of land now produce the apples required to meet the demand. And as fifth generation, Eleanor has already demonstrated such natural skill and ability in the cider-making world. It feels as if the success for Thatcher's is still very much on the upward trajectory. Growth is, is an interesting subject in this because you're, you're now over 20 countries worldwide, which is amazing. And how was that process for the family? I and mean, you, you, you've grown from a certain amount of acres. I mean, it would be nice to hear how the, the acreage has grown in your tenure. Yeah. And what does the future look like? I think it's been a, a really interesting... I've had such a lot of fun in the last 30-some-odd years, and, and there's been lots of highs and some lows as well. But the business has developed and the farm has grown. So my great-grandfather had 36 acres. We're now up to over 500 acres, and we're sat in the middle of uh, quite a big chunk of it now with surrounded by apple trees and I think that all brings a real sense of pride but also when you see bottles or on the bar in supermarkets or in pub groups or in different countries it's that's it's really quite a tingly feeling a, when that happens such a buzz yeah, yeah. that's the same for me I think that's my family yeah product that's yeah. The, that's my name on the bottle yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's incredibly I mean and, and your family before you must be so proud of what you've been able to achieve since you've taken it on to yeah. see it go into multi 
destinations like that because cultures are different you know you don't know how they're going to embrace an english cider but they clearly love it yes and, <laughs> and that's yeah well it's i think it's uh, something that particularly the southwest of england is very proud of and and cider is synonymous with the southwest and it's quintessentially english mm. so if you can export that to the different mm. countries around the world it's something that once they understand it i think they embrace it and enjoy it but there does need to be a little bit explanation because they understand beer and wine but cider is something yes. that's probably quite new to them and quite mm. unusual so it has to come with a bit of explanation we're educating the world about cider yeah. that's right. <laughs> yes it's my, my mission <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel a sense of ownership in a family business may be different to that with a non-family business you know how does that impact recruiting people into the business i think uh, recruitment and the people are just so important in, a, in any business but particularly in a family business because you have a set of values there's things that you do there's things that make the business successful which aren't necessarily what happens generically through bigger corporate businesses each family business is very individual so it's not like family businesses do it like this and bigger businesses do it like that it's every family business is quite individual the way they do things and therefore finding just the right people who fit and when they fit they love it and you know really flourish and do really well and that's the type of people we're looking for but that can be quite difficult mm. to find just the right fit sometimes i'm sure i'm sure and Eleanor, you know, thinking about like your journey in the business, becoming going from growing up around it to being part of it, and where you see it going and your future with it. Over that journey from being a child, just knowing what you know your family does, to now being part of it, how has your relationship with the business evolved? You know, how did you feel towards it then versus now? I think you still feel the same sense of pride when you see it. Like I still, it, for me, it's when it's rolling off the canning line that I'm like wow, I think that's a really proud moment and how we invested in that. I think as a family, we've, or dad, you've taken the risks that maybe other people wouldn't have that kind of has helped us get to where we are today. But I still have that sense of pride in the brand and seeing it, like that hasn't changed. It's just now I know a lot more about what goes on behind the scenes. I think it's, I've always seen it, but I've not seen it in the fine detail you kind of know what happens it's strange but you don't know the fine details mm. and it's about kind of tuning that and getting to learn and, and so your generation has taken far greater risks perhaps potentially than than previous generations and does that make you feel pressured that what's going to be the big round <laughs> yeah, 30, 30 something acres to 500 what's yeah. that? Is it 500 to <laughs> uh, yeah do, do you see it as a, I mean I suppose in, in all business there is, there's a risk, you have to take a risk otherwise you really don't do very much at all and I think as a business what we've been quite good at is doing things and I will hold our hands up to say not everything has gone right. We only talk about the good things <laughs> and the bad things that have gone wrong. <laughs> so we haven't got it all right, but I, but I suppose if you take the law of averages, as long as you do more right than you do wrong, eventually you move forward. And I think 
that's what we've we've tried to do, and um, it's been been quite a quite a challenging time mm. some years, particularly mm. in the last year with, yeah, I'm sure. with COVID. But we look back at what we've done, and we've done so many things, mm. even during these difficult times. And I think that's part of the measure of the business and the people that work in the business mm. that we're able to do that. And, it, and it's setting those foundations, isn't it, for yeah. Eleanor to then plant more. Yeah. Excuse the pun. Plant more. <laughs> plant more trees. Plant more trees. <laughs> <that's it. Yeah. laughs> do, you, do you have a feeling yet of where you would like to see the business go in your time? Or is that, a, you know, a bit, bit far ahead? We've kind of, we have talked about it and we've looked at kind of where we kind of see it. But I think, I think we've got the same kind of, we want to grow the business and keep making great quality cider. And I think that's probably at, at the heart of it. If I can keep growing the business and keep making it great quality without doing any damage Compromising to the, the heritage of it and yeah. Yeah, the environment. Environment and the heritage then. Mm. And how do you find that? Because I would find that a bit daunting, wanting to grow an already sizable business. Do you find that daunting or is it sort of so in you, in your blood and kind of you've grown up around it, it actually just seems normal? I think you feel a bit of, okay, yeah, there's pressure here, but I think once you get your head down into the day-to-day, it's kind of just like, you know it's there, but it's not kind of, you don't become bogged down by it. It's just kind of, okay, I do this and then I do this and then I do this and then hopefully we get to this. It's kind of, I know it's in the background, but it's not so stressful in that way. And do you still, you feel got a lot to learn still around the cider making process and, you know, what's possible about future production processes? Because, you know, tech is probably coming into your business as as it is with everyone. You know, how that's going to change processes. Yeah, definitely. I think that you never stop learning. So I think the more there's always something to learn like I think we always say you always you sometimes go to like a conference and you're like you'll sit there all day and you'll like learn one thing but like that's worth it because you've learned something and taken something away so I think yeah there's definitely still a lot to learn I've still got a lot to learn about the business and do you have a good network a a good peer network within the same generation within the drinks industry that you can draw on or are you really quite isolated there's um a few other people that I I network with that are similar age not not even necessarily in the drinks business so Mm. that's quite refreshing as well Mm. to meet other young people that are in a similar position because I think I always talk to them and like they're like no one else understands what it's Mm. like to be in a family business like Mm. Even my boyfriend doesn't. Yeah, that's what they said to me. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, that's what they My friend actually said that to me. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. You know, I think it is. A, it is so different, and it's something yeah. you can't even explain. Yeah. When you say something, they're like, yeah, but you're not working today, or but you're on holiday. I'm like, yes, I am on holiday, but this is never going to go away. Yeah. Like this feeling I feel for this business will never leave me I'm not going to be able to get on a plane to the most exotic country in the world <laughs> yeah. and leave it at Heathrow that's just not going to happen and then, you know I guess that it, yes that to other people who like the idea of I shut my laptop at 5 30 and that's my day done that feels you know massive but also the benefits that come with it I think just so outweigh 
that mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like work you know it feels it just you just can't explain it you know, being in this business there are so many interesting facets you've sponsored rugby teams and football teams in the past and um, the Bristol City fans their chart is based around cider isn't it that's right yes and um, you know pop culture I think is just brilliant most of the time in the UK and the process of making your drink is so beautiful but what is each of your favorite parts of the business is it the fact that people finish a day of work and go home and their favorite thing to do is have a factures or is it seeing the process what is that kind of bit that makes you yeah that's why i love this oh my favorite part is just coming out in the spring when the blossoms out or probably on a par is when in the autumn they're harvesting the apples and either out in the orchard where that strong apple aroma or in the mill when the apples are coming in they've been tipped out of the lorries and and you just get that beautiful sense of just apple all around you. I think there's something magical about that. So I would have a job to to split those two mm. for me. They are just um, you know fabulous moments in the season and and they come around. Nature is is remarkable. Every year the blossom comes out and the bees come out and every year we harvest the apples and I just think that's just incredible mm. what, how it all happens. Yeah. I think it's probably like production for me. I think that we've automated a lot of our processes but they're still very much embedded in quality and doing things better and better I just my favorite one of my favorite machines in the in the mill is the labeler for the bottles and it's just set up so every label goes on perfectly straight and I've worked on the bottling line and you literally check the bottle to make sure it all is all straight and and we just don't want a single bottle to go out without a straight label. And just seeing all the machines and the technology and how that can make something better yeah. is really good. Mm-hmm. Like seeing pictures of you putting them on by hand, it's like, wow, like yeah. look how far you've come. Yeah, yeah that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Back in the good yeah. old days, yeah. <laughs> that's a lovely contrast of perspectives of the, of the business, isn't it, as well? It's almost from land to production line and, and the enjoyment of both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. That's really great. With 115 years of history, there are some brilliant traditions that the Thatcher's family and business has. It may be that this particular tradition is what makes Thatcher's cider just so good. Well, the wassail is uh, an ancient uh, pagan tradition, and wassail means literally be healthy. And uh, a modern wassail usually involves some Morris men, which always involves a lot of fun when Morris and them around. <laughs> and basically we have a wassail song that we sing uh, around the trees. Sadly, my singing is not that good and it is quite a difficult song to, to <laughs> sing, which is my defence. And um, we fire shotguns into the tree to frighten away the evil spirits and we hang toast dipped inside it to encourage oh, the yes. good the good spirits oh, and that's so um, fun. to uh, encourage encourage a good crop of apples and also it's a great excuse for a great party oh amazing <laughs> yeah. amazing put the green man and the wassail queen yeah. oh and the wassail queen and there was a wassail queen yeah. for quite a few quite a few so years this is something you've done every year years. Yeah. as yeah. you were growing up yeah. and also as as you yeah. were growing up so it's an so, annual tradition so this year during lockdown, it was just the four of us, wasn't mm. it, out in the orchard? Well, five of us with Myrtle. We um, we danced, <laughs> we skipped round the trees and poured some cider and um, 
drank a toast. And I guess, yeah. you know, even <laughs> if, if you can't group together and get the community involved in that, the, the fear is that you, you won't see off those bad spirits. The, the job has got to be done. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Every I year. love that. Amazing. <laughs> I love that. Amazing. And are there any other Thatcher's stories that you just really treasure? Maybe it's something that's happened in recent years or something that you've heard over the generations where it's been told. You know, is there any standout memories that you have of funny moments as a family that link back to the business? I think my real fond memories of my, certainly my grandfather and my father, we've, we've spent a lot of time working together and my grandfather particularly, and I think my father has got lots of really nice sayings that we shouldn't, we shouldn't ignore. So he, my grandfather used to say, the apples from Sanford Moor make better cider than the ones from Winscombe Hill. And what he was meaning is the apples grown on the heavy clay soil, as it is around here, makes much better and more characterful cider than the, the apples grown on the Winscombe Hill, which is a light and loamy soil. And so there's lots of little sayings that the previous generation have said, which actually resonates and you've got to be right. We mustn't forget what they've learned. We need to write a book. Yeah. Well, we do. We have, we have got a book that's, um, we wrote about five or six years ago, which I think in another five or six, we should write another update so that we get all the history down and and we don't forget all these things because there's so many good things. Because even your type family wassail this year is a kind of marker in history, you know, middle of a pandemic. This is how we, (laughs) this is, this is a moment in time. (laughs) Perfect. Lovely. So should we go to our end of interview questions? Has Eleanor had any memories you wanted to put down? It'll probably be out picking apples with my granddad in the exhibition orchard. That one really sticks out to me. I don't know why, because they're all so different. He's got like a map of every single tree. Wow. So you go around and have your basket and we can pick them all. And I think that really sticks out to me as kind of a moment. I think it's the quintessentially English perfect childhood moment, mm. really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably wearing a, a floaty floral <laughs> pretty dress. No, trousers. Oh, okay. Really. <laughs> yeah. Trousers and wellies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And I think that's a lovely room because, you know, I think in the next generation after you, with technology the way it's going, that might not be a thing that needs to happen. So you could be the last generation with the memories of going out and picking apples by hand and doing that. And how weird is that? Like it's, Can it's, you imagine robots picking? I mean... Ah, it's well, I, I, I think it's very imaginable for the next generation to have robots pruning trees, picking apples, doing all these things. I, I, you need to yeah. create a new tradition that just makes sure there's a little bit of hand. Sorry, we've got lots of different variety orchards and special orchards that like the 458 where we were picking them sometimes still pick them by hand and just yeah. keep those yeah well, i guess you know it's it, it, with these sorts of businesses that are so charming and come with such emotional memories and attachment to nature that you've kind of got to break through that in a way to look at the opportunity for the future mm. and what could be and how does growth how is growth possible beyond what you've already done without ai and technology becoming a part of that so i guess that's a a bold move isn't it when you go no 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 hand picking <laughs> send the robots in <laughs> they're probably easier to manage for those of you that regularly listen to this podcast you'll know what's coming next here's what martin and eleanor had to say to our three quick fire questions 
So what is your earliest memory of the family business? My earliest memory, I think I was about four and through the village here used to be uh, the railway line and it was closed by Beeching in 1968. And one of the store buildings on the farm was an old railway carriage and it was sort of red oxide red. And I remember coming down onto the farm with my father, I think when I was about four, on a really, really cold winter's day. And I spent quite a bit of time in the railway box because it was warmer than being out feeding the cattle and the pigs because I was absolutely frozen. It was a really freezing cold day. And I think that's probably my earliest memory. That's amazing. That is early. Amazing. I think mine was in the shop. Because granted, I'd always get in there for like a pint <laughs> when it was closing. <laughs> that would probably be my earliest memory going in there with him. Oh, and I bet the shop looked quite different yeah. back then yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> so would you do anything differently next time? And obviously, you know, you, you produce this amazing product already at 21, which is amazing. I mean, hearing if you've learned from that, would you do something slightly different in the production next time? And Martin, you must have lots of moments where you think, maybe. Yeah, I think you learn, like, I guess you have a vision in your head for something and then something happens and you've got to adapt. And I think coming from, like, school and quite a, like, planned and, I don't know, nothing really, you you just did your lessons and it kind of, and then coming into a business and things happen that you just don't expect and, learning how to adapt to that was different yeah and that it won't always go to plan Mm. i think yeah accepting that things won't always go your way yeah it's quite a big deal isn't it and actually in that moment realizing that that's not the be all and end all yeah and that this is just normal because i i had the same when you come out of school go straight into a business you don't have that structured feedback you don't have like your period one period two lunchtime go home that's my school day finished it is a very different environment and those challenges can feel so massive. Yeah. And actually that's just how it is. And the next day will come and things will carry on and it'll be fine. So did you come straight from school as well like Layla did or did you go to university? Uh, straight from mm-hmm. school. Yeah. Yeah. And then our final question is what is the biggest lesson you've learned from working with family? I suppose it's a, you've got to... If you have a disagreement, you've got to make sure it doesn't get personal, that it is about the business. Now, that is hugely difficult because business, you, your life is, when it's a family business, is well, it's all intertwined, it's all together. Mm-hmm. So if there is a disagreement, it, it's, um, it, it becomes, uh, it, or it can become very personal. So you have to just be careful just to step mm. back and go, hang on a minute, that's, that's just not going to fall out with this about each there's other. This is business and we're yeah. just discussing it. And in the family business, that's really, really hard because mm. the lines are all very blurred. Very blurred. Yeah. 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 Actually, we, I remember one thing that really stands out for me exactly on that is when during the lockdown, when my boyfriend Jordan was staying with us, we had a heated discussion on our opinions on the furlough scheme and how that would impact people's morale. And we were in the kitchen, absolutely not screaming at each other, but voices were raised, and we were just very, very opinionated about fighting our corner of what we believed. And okay, but once we you know had the conversation, that was it. You know, book closed. That's that conversation done. I went into lounge. Jordan's like. 
it's basic. You really need to know how to not have an argument. And I was like, that wasn't an argument. That was just a business discussion. Like, yeah, okay, it wouldn't happen between two business partners that aren't mother and daughter. But that was just like... That if that had happened in the board meet in the boardroom, then it probably would have been just the same, maybe just not as loud. <laughs> yeah, they're quite rare, aren't they? But you know, heightened moments and all of that. But it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a falling out. It no. was just how you have to thrash these things out yeah. sometimes. And that yeah, it can come close to with, with family because you wouldn't raise your voice at someone who's non-family, but <laughs> you sometimes would. But as long as you know where the boundaries are mm-hmm. and you know when to step back and you know when you're getting too, you know, passionate. I mean, I I think you've presumably worked for an extensive period of time since taking the the business on from your father on your own. So you had, yes, obviously there were family around to sort of sound off, but ultimately the decision was was you were the top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. Does it feel lovely now to have someone else with a vested interest who's got the DNA under her skin to just talk through next stage decisions with? Yes, yeah, I mean, it's something I think every father dreams of. Or, well, I think so to be able to hand on things to your children, either knowledge or, in our case, knowledge and, and the business. And when your children are almost showing you the way to do things better, mm. I mean, that's, that's really, really good. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think as parents who want, you know, we, we've done what we've done in our generation and hopefully we've done a good job and we would like to think our children are going to show us how to do it even better for the next generation and that's the point of all the I guess all the time Mm. we've put into showing Eleanor and Peter what we've learned but really they've they've got to take that and move on again and that's what it's all about. Yeah that's so true it's such a comfort having uh, someone who's got only the best for the business at heart there's no one else that's going to have quite that amount of dedication and passion so it's yeah it does it is a lovely feeling I must admit yeah mm. I would agree is yeah. there something that you've learned from your dad Eleanor that you think will always stick with you it's probably smiles make sales <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that always it's when when you're in a meeting and you're especially in zoom it's been like fatigue and they're like mm. nope Dad say, smiles make sales, right? <laughs> so true. That'll last, that'll just run all yeah. the way back. That yeah. needs to go in the book of sayings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next generation book of sayings. Yeah. <laughs> One question I do have that's a bit additional. I mean, I love the TV advert that you've yeah. done this year, and the timing of it was just perfect, I think, with the, the mood of the time and the moment we all were with family connections and feel good factor. You're obviously now really proud to promote the family business entity because some family businesses do that more than others. Mm-hmm. Was that a concerted sort of strategic decision that you'd taken? I think family business is important and there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, I don't know, of family businesses up and down the country that all do their bit in their industry that makes an enormous difference mm-hmm. to everybody. And mm-hmm. I think just celebrating the importance of family businesses is something that's such a good thing to do. And I know with your um, mm. podcast, that's certainly what you're doing. Mm. And I just think whether making cider or nuts and bolts or farming or whatever, family businesses are just amazing. Yeah. And, and it's great to celebrate them. 
But I think also it is about family and it comes back to the important things in our lives are about our parents and our sons and daughters and hopefully in the future their sons yeah. and daughters that um, carry the business on, carry the family name on and all those yeah. type of things. So that's why it's so important to us. It was such a special afternoon recording with Martin and Eleanor at Myrtle Farm. The environment completely took our breath away and it really immersed us in the world of Thatchers. You can see just by the environment and the world that they've grown up in, how they've managed to take the emotion and the sense of pride that they feel in their landscape and apply it to their work, which has ultimately created the most mouthwatering cider. The journey ahead for Thatchers is a really exciting one and we can't wait to see where the business progresses. We'd like to thank Eleanor and Martin for their time and for hosting us on their beautiful farm. It was such a magical experience to be there watching their whole environment roll out in front of us and on our way home winding the country lanes back to Dorset from Somerset we couldn't believe the number of Thatcher's lorries navigating their way in and out of the cider farm. It's really an incredible business that they should be so proud of and we can't wait to watch what happens next. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Runs in the Family and stay tuned for many more family stories.